Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast and other resources, please go to BethelCleveland.com. Well, we're here to celebrate moms. We do this once a year in the United States and around the world, and uh, we attempt to do that the best we can. We, it's, it's so difficult because every mom's experience has been a different experience. And sometimes it depends on what day of the week it is that you interview that mom. It determines how mothering is, you know. I mean, it's got ups and downs, difficulties and challenges. I want to read a verse, though, that I started into last week. I did read it, and I was doing like a part one, part two for Mother's Day. So turn with me again to Proverbs chapter 6. Proverbs 6. Cindy's going to come up in a little while and help me out. i got a few things to ask her about. So uh, Proverbs 6, verses 20 through 23. Again, I read this last week. Last week, I talked about remembrance. I talked about how important it is that we attach history to our lives for our children and how that moms are a big part of that. Moms are the ones that tell history. Let me tell American history, their history in God, their testimony, how they come to know Jesus. I hope they do that family history, where they're from, you know, may look it up on some website and determine what your relatives are, and it's a great encouragement to figure that out, but throughout the scripture, they, the scripture tells us over and over again that we commit things to memory. Jesus himself, which I said last week, said, do this in remembrance of me, and he boiled it down to a piece of bread and some wine, some juice. And he took that bread and he took that juice and it was a symbol. It's interesting because life is kind of like that. There's certain things that happen in your life that become benchmarks in your life that you look back to all the time. And actually certain things will happen in your life and you realize that reminds me. If you hang around old people, you know that all the time they have stories about everything. That reminds me about this. That reminds me about that. Well, it's part of the remembrance that actually carries on generation to generation. In Proverbs 6, it says this, My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake the law of your mother. So fathers have commands, mothers have laws. Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them around your neck. Because when you roam, it doesn't say if you roam. It says when you roam, they will lead you. So the instruction of a mother and a father are so important and even more so for a single parent that you're, you're pulling something together, a construct, a lifestyle that you want to let them know what the history is, what the culture is, what the law is of your family and hopefully that's heavily baptized in the word of God. And so you share with them, how, this is how we live, this is how we do things. And you communicate that, and it becomes a command of the fathers, the law of your mother. It says, bind them continually upon your heart, tie them around your neck, for when they roam, they will lead you. In other words, that construct that we deliver to our children becomes something that pulls them into their future. And when they end up with a place like the prodigal son that we read about in the book of John, the prodigal son Remember, he took what was rightfully his from his father. He went off to a foreign land. He squandered it. 
He bought just a little bit too much crypto. It disappeared. And, and he was left with nothing. And he couldn't even get a decent job. And so he was literally in a pigsty. And for a Jew, that was the, that was the closest place to hell on earth would be in a pigsty. And so there he's in distress. He's eating the food the pigs would eat. And he knew back home at his father's house, everything was great, you know. Servants there to, to handle your every need, all kinds of food on the table, great comfy room and bed and everything else. But it, it took him in that moment, the Bible says, he came to his senses. What happened was he had one of those godmother moments or godfather moments where he thought, wait, I had it way better back home than I do now. And millennials are testing this greatly right now. Many of them come back home often, you know, those that are single uh, and come back into the house and it's a great thing and a chance to reconnect again so that they get recharged and sent out again. So it says, when they roam, they will lead them. When they sleep, it will keep them. And when they're awake, they will speak with you. In other words, these things come into your mind. I might have mentioned this last week, but any trouble that I was ever involved in, I could always hear my mother's voice. Didn't hear my dad's voice. I heard my mother's voice. Why? Because the law had been attached to my neck. I mean, growing up, she said, this is something you want to remember. This is something that you'll want to do. My father enforced that very strongly. And so it says they, they will speak with you. In other words, this thing that mothers do, it speaks, it keeps, it leads all through their life. And God bless them. The power of the words of a mom, the words of God put in a mother will last your entire life. Go with you to your 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. You'll still be thinking about what your mom said, even though your mom may be long gone. It says, for the commandment is a lamp. It's a framework. It's a way of life. It's a construct. So it is a lamp, and the law, which the mother gives, is a light. That's the influence. You can have a lamp, but without that light, it's the fire. It's the energy. It's the burning thing that's in your heart that will carry you through your whole life. And then it says this. It's a little capstone at the end, which I think is uh, kind of funny in a way. Reproofs of instruction are the way of life. In other words, if I was writing this verse, I'd say, get used to it. This is gonna happen throughout your whole life. You're gonna feel these difficult situations. You may not think, what would my mom do? But you will hear her voice telling you what you should do. And so we celebrate moms because that's a tough job. That's a tough job speaking things that they're gonna remember and they're gonna hear the rest of their lives. I've shared this just about every year on Mother's Day regarding my mom. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know. Did I bring my bottle of water up here? I didn't. Excuse me. And, uh, you know, when I was young, uh, she was the one that really taught me. My father was gone a lot, building his career and everything. So I was home with mom. I was the youngest. There was a five-year difference between me and the next child. So in many ways, I was an only child. And, and so we spent a lot of time together, and she talked to me, and we talked about spiritual things, you know, when I was a young boy and everything else. So I felt very attached to her. I did it to my father also, but it was a different way with my mother because my father didn't come to know Jesus until I was 19 years old. But in the early years, the shaping years, it was my mom, my grandmother, and others. And so um, when I was telling this, just this, I, was, I taught uh, uh, ministry school this past Tuesday, 
in New Philadelphia, Ohio, with some great friends of mine down there. I was in the school, got a chance to prophesy over 45 people. It was a long night. And uh, while I was there, I uh, was reminded of when I was in college, and I was very discouraged. I was in Bible school. I finally made the shift. I went from a secular environment to, to a more sacred environment. At least it was supposed to be at Bible school. And uh, about a year into it, I got really discouraged. And that happened often as it happens in life. You know, even if you're in the path that you know you're supposed to be on, things happen. Discouragement comes. And sure enough, in this situation, I got so discouraged, I packed up my bags. I went down, I put it all in the back seat of or the trunk of my car. And then I thought, well, before I leave town, there's one last thing I'd want to do. I want to check my mailbox. And so I went down to my little mailbox in the, in the school that I went to. It was a big stack of boxes, mailboxes, little windows, you've seen them, with a little combination on it. So I get down there, I do the little combination. I could see through the window there was a, a, a large envelope in the back. I you know, wanted to check that out before I left. I reached in, pulled it out, opened it up, and it was on legal paper. Now, you don't see a lot of legal paper anymore. Big, yellow, long, 11 by 14 paper that was, you know, legal size, legal document kind of a deal. And at the top, it said, Dear Steve. And then it said, As you came out of your mother's womb, have I not called you? And it went on and on and on with all these little inserts. Though you would be discouraged, I tell you to rise up. And it went on and on and on. It was all caps because every time I received a word from the Lord from my mother, it was all capitalized, which we know now is screaming. So I look at those all caps and I recognize the letters and you know it was like a machine gun hitting my spirit. Just two pages of that. And I get all the way to the end and then it would say, love mom. <laughs> so you know what I did? I went out, I got my bags out of the car and went back upstairs, unpacked them, settled in and continued for two more years in Bible school. That happened over and over again throughout my life. Every time somehow she knew where I was, knew, and this is before GPS and before <laughs> smartphones, before any phones that really except land phones. And, uh, you know, it was just, there was not a lot of communication. There were letters that were written that took five days to get there, two days to read, and five days to get back. And the cookies that they sent from our home church here in Cleveland would take weeks to get there, you know, in big tin cans. And we know, I mean, it's just, it sounds like we were from the dark ages, but really wasn't that long ago. And so things were slower. It was very slow. Everything was slow. Now things are, are very fast, you know. And so it was, it was a time, though, where somehow ahead of time, she knew what I'd be going through five days down the road. She wrote it before, mailed it, and it arrived just in time. It was this divine partnership between God and mom. By the way, that partnership continues all through the ages. It's something that God speaks to us over and over again. He speaks through our mom, through the law of my mom. I remember when I moved to a new school. I moved from Brooklyn here to North Royalton. And again, we're in the, we're in the 70s. It was kind of a different environment. I don't want to get into the details, but it was, we think it's rough now. There were some rough times then also. And I got into a new school, as happens to some Kids, I was in uh, the beginning of grade eight, 
And I transferred a month into the school, which is difficult. Everyone else has already got to know one another. They're settled into the year. They know what's going on. But boom, I got plucked out in like October, dropped into this school in uh, North Royalton where I didn't know anybody. And uh, so I got bullied for the whole year because I was the new guy from the outside. It was, you know, junior high is, is challenging enough. But to have bullies, there was one guy, I could name him right now, that's how it sticks out in your mind. One guy that picked on me every day, particularly in music class, every day. And then he, he solicited his friends to join in on it. So it was, it was constant every day. Every time the teacher would turn her back to me, boom, you know, it would, they, would, they would attack me in different ways. And, and, you know, I went through this for a while and I didn't say anything, I'm just not that kind of person. I go home every day, do what I need to do, go back to school, be bullied, go home, do what I need to do. I eventually defeated that bully. It's a long story for a future sermon, but uh, they, they actually became my friends in the, in the long run, uh, which I've been doing that ever since to any bully that comes against me, so bring it on. But anyway, <laughs> I go home, and my mother said, she has tears in her eyes. She's been, been praying for me all day without me ever saying anything to her. And she said, I know. It's been a difficult transition for you to come to this school. And I just want you to know that, that God is going to be with you through this process. And then she prayed for me. And I tell you, from that point on, I still got bullied. But the receptivity on my side was totally changed. This became kind of funny to me. It was like, you know, what's wrong with you guys? I mean, I had a gift of sarcasm. I used it gingerly throughout that time, but, but ultimately able to, to turn it around. But it took my mother, number one, to know I had a partner in pain. <laughs> she was always my partner in pain. She knew how to pray you out of it. She knew how to prophesy you into a preferred future that was in front of you. My dad eventually learned that, actually, down the road about 20 years later. But my mom's the one that carried me through the years. And on this day, I always think of her, Clara May, and the, the amazing... Uh, input that she had into my life. I also honor the mothers that are in my life now. I have two daughters. Two daughters that are mothers. My wife, of course, is a mother. Uh, four, do- four kids, three daughters and a son. And uh, I told her yesterday, and I know this, is, this can come across as an insult to a woman, but I said, Cindy, you, you're, you're a great wife and great mother. I said, but in some ways, you're kind of my mother too. And I said, and I quickly threw in, as I'm kind of your father, you know. <laughs> but there's, there's this sense where she's carrying on the same that she knows when things need help, and she quickly moves into that. Very spiritual individual. She has understanding. She has wisdom. She has clarity. She knows how to finish things. I know how to start. She knows how to finish it. And that goes for arguments and everything. But there's this sense of mothering, even though she's not my mother, she's my wife, I get that. But there's this sense where we cover one another and we can mother people that actually are not children. In fact, some of you are spiritual mothers. Some of you may not have ever even had children and you feel it on this day. You may not even be here because of that, but you may be watching on the internet. I just wanna tell you right now, God has a mothering role for you even though you do not have natural children. That God wants to raise you up. He's got those same instincts that he's put in you, even though you may have never had a natural child. 
But God speaks to you here on this Mother's Day and say, I commission you now to be a mother carrying the Father's love of God to everyone that's around you. I've got a song I want to play real quick. I'm not playing it, but it's going to be up on the screen here. I was playing it this week, and I, I just loved it. I hope you like it too. It's a Maverick City Elevation uh, worship song. It's about four minutes long. If we can get that up there and play it, I think it might minister to you. Grandma used to pray out loud Back in bed every night To me it sounded like mumbling Like she was out of her mind She said, boy, this kind of praying Is what saved my life You ought to try it sometime And now I know she was right She was talking to Jesus she was talking to Jesus And she'd been talking to Jesus For all of her life and Mama used to drag me to church Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights Khaki pants and a polo shirt Boy, I put up a fight she said, son, one day you'll thank me For having God in your life And yeah, I know she was right Yeah, my mama was right Cause now I'm talking to Jesus She got me talking to Jesus She got me talking to Jesus Yeah, my mama was right now I'm talking to Jesus Yeah, I love talking to Jesus And I'll be talking to Jesus For the rest of my life What a friend we have in Jesus What a friend we have in Jesus Don't you know What a friend we have in Jesus oh, oh. I've been looking for a way to show him how to make it all right. Then he walked in my room while I was singing my prayers the other night. He said, I'll come back later. I can tell you got a lot on your mind. I said, it's not an interruption. Couldn't have picked a better time. 
to give a little taste of that. I've been soaking in that all week. I just loved, I loved the genera- generational aspect of it, from your grandmother to you to your children. Moms, I want to encourage you. He's given you the ability to pass that baton to other generations. You know, as I was listening to this song the other day, I started to read the responses afterwards that were kind of mom-centered. This is one of them from a guy named Kusasira, I believe, He says, I'm an African boy. I lost my father at an early age, then used to walk by foot for a distance, late nights with my mom from church for three to six years, and I lost her when I was seven years old. He says, but all today, at 22 years, but today I talk to Jesus. Ah, and I thought, you know, this song has reached and rekindled an understanding of that. Jeremy Adams, he says, was contemplating suicide two weeks ago. So uplifting for me right now. This, this girl named Mariah, she says, I live in a little African village in Zimbabwe. My grandmother was my alarm clock at dawn with her prayers. And at night, she was my lullaby with her prayers. She was always talking to Jesus. Now I talk to Jesus. God bless my grandmother. The next one, Aaron says, my mom passed away when I was in 2015 greatest gift she ever gave me is introducing me to God. Until I see her again, I will keep talking to Jesus. And I think, moms, you've got to get encouraged. In fact, all the moms right here, if you just stand up for a second, we're going to pray for you a little more in depth in a few minutes, but just stand up around the room. Everyone in the room, stretch out your hand toward one of these moms and let's just pray for them. The scripture that came to me when I was preparing this was out of Genesis 3.15. I'm going to read it to you in just a minute, but let me just say this. There is a spiritual pushback on moms for a reason. Even different than dads. We all get spiritual warfare. The devil is after all of us. He's got a scheme for every one of you. But moms especially, women especially, God has this, the enemy has this, this thing about destruction of women and anything they birth in their lives. So I pray for you right now. Let's do some serious praying here. The guys and others, just reach out your hand toward them. Let's pray. Well, we pray right now for the moms across the room, for strength to be upon them, Lord. I ask for the quickening of the Holy Spirit 
to come upon them right now. Even dread, regrets, fears, concerns about their own relationship with their mom or relationship with their children. Lord, we ask that you'd pull that distraction out of their life right now, that they may be able to walk freely as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a spiritual super mom, as a woman who has been set free and liberated by the constraints and the, the, the ties that have come around them over the years, that they may be free to walk of guilt or concern or shame or embarrassment or fear or disappointment about their lives in the name of Jesus. We just break it off of them right now in the name of Jesus that they may move in a fresh walk from this day forward in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. In Genesis 3, it says this. This is the beginning of it all. We'll, we'll end here in a few minutes. Genesis 3.15 is the first messianic verse in the Bible. In other words, the first verse with a promise of redemption. The first verse that says God's going to come back and save this world. God's going to come back and straighten things out and the enemies will be crushed and the righteous will be lifted up. I mean, this is the theme of the whole Testament. This hope of a Messiah, what we know to be Jesus, a hope of Jesus Christ is going to come back and bring harmony and bring family, the true family of God that many people have not had or not experienced. And so in Genesis 3, 15, after the fall of Adam and Eve, the fall of man, God comes down with judgment for that. We know that Adam and Eve were removed from the garden. It was for their own safety and for their own benefit. And we know that later on. But it was difficult because it was, the Lord said it would be by the sweat of your brow and there would be pain in childbirth. And so this is a difficulty and a challenge, the toil that would be connected with it. But he turned to the enemy who caused this, the snake, the devil, Lucifer, the roaring lion that wants to devour, the dragon. He occurs all over the Bible in different forms, but the bottom line is he's, he, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And it says in Genesis 3, it says, I, this is the curse, he said, I will put enmity, which means personal hostility, between you, the devil, and the woman. So there is this hostility, this tension between the devil and women because it says between your seed, speaking to the devil, your seed and her seed, he, the seed that will come out of the woman, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So this connection between the heel of the seed of the woman, which is the place, by the way, where you crush the head of snakes. And so it will be the woman and her seed. It's a direct re reference to Jesus Christ, his birth, his, his life, his bur death, burial, and resurrection, all in this seed. It's amazing to me that when God wanted to save the world, he picked a woman named Mary, who some believe was 15 or 16 years old, which was the custom in that time. And he spoke to her through an angel and said that the Holy Spirit would overshadow her. And then she'd become a mother. And it was a difficult time because she was not married yet. She was engaged, but not married. So when Joseph heard about it, he was upset. God had to visit him in a dream. 
God couches this all over the place to make sure this seed comes forth because this seed is the Messiah. He will change the world. I think God still does that. When he wants to change a room, he brings a woman in the room. When he wants to change an environment, when he wants to complete a situation, we're seeing it happen right now in the United States, this overwhelming force of women that are rising up. 51% of bachelor's degrees are now, now go to women. I mean, it's a, it's a huge shift in culture. And we're seeing the rise of a gentle, simpler, loving lifestyle that I believe is going to affect our government in the near future. I believe it's going to rise to levels where it will affect the government. We will feel something of the peace of God that you only feel through a woman because women understand this because it's part of the blessing that God gave them, this tension between the enemy. The enemy does focus on them, but they will overcome in the end in every situation. In Revelation, it actually says that when the child is being born, it's a reference to Christ. When the woman is there about to birth the child, that the dragon is waiting that he might devour that child. I mean, that's, that's the tension between a mother and the enemy himself, Satan. But the Lord says, but I will pluck her up and bring her into the heavens into safety. And we're going to pray that in a few minutes, that some of you feel that despair, that God's going to continue to show up in your life. You are carrying a burden. You say, what is it? It feels like everything's against me. It is part of your role. But he also calls women to be great warriors and to rise up. You know, this week I was, as I do when I, you know, study for these kinds of things, I, I'm reminded of different people throughout history, women, especially moms, who have made a big difference. And what came to me, especially in the midst of all that we're experiencing, about racism in this country, that when God wanted to stop racism in America specifically and affect the whole world, I mean, this had a huge effect on the whole world, he picked a mom. He picked a woman from Ohio, 19 years old. She was uh, Harriet Beecher Stowe. Harriet Beecher Stowe was in a prominent Christian family. Her father was like the, the Billy Graham of their day. And she was raised in a great environment, but she was right in Cincinnati. And Cincinnati was the flashpoint. It was the fire point for so much racial tension, as it has been even in recent years. But because it was on the borders, the boundaries of Kentucky and Ohio, it was on the major part of the Underground Railroad to get across from Kentucky over into Ohio, they're on their way to freedom. They're not quite there yet. They've entered into the Promised Land, or they've entered across the Jordan River, but they're on their way to get freedom up in uh, Station Hope, which was Cleveland, and ultimately to get up into Canada. And so she saw this experience. She saw slaves actually coming across the Ohio River on ice. And when this, this uh, big cholera outbreak took place in Cincinnati, and I think across the country, but particularly in big cities, uh, she was sent by her parents to Kentucky to hide out for a few months until it passed. In Kentucky, the people she stayed with took her to a slave auction. So she went and saw, as a young girl in her 20s, saw slaves being brought up and sold on the market in Kentucky. It, it started touching her heart in a deep way. She got back, and because of a number of different things that happened, actually referencing abolitionists, uh, caused a big blow up in Cincinnati, and a bunch of the Christians left and went to a town north in the Western Territory called Oberlin and eventually started a school there and everything else, but they became hardcore 
abolitionists. They were against slavery. And so she gets touched by this, but she and her husband fled to Maine. They went up to Maine, and they're a place called Brunswick. Of all places. I felt the Holy Spirit on that when I was reading the other day. A place called Brunswick, Maine. And she was in great distress, distress because she lost one of her babies, 18 months old, little boy, passed away. She was brokenhearted by it. She goes to the nearby church that she was a part of because she was a believer. And she sat there just in the presence of the Lord, taking communion and communion service was going on. She was in Pew 23. It's so prophetic. Pew 23, you know, Psalm 23. She was there in the valley of the shadow of death, but the Lord was preparing a banqueting table for her on the other side. And she sat there and took communion. This woman who was basically, I think she was a Presbyterian, the light hit the stained glass in a certain way and hit her. And when it hit her, she got a vision. And they've always tried to downplay this historically, but she got a vision they thought it was because of her stress or something like that. She got a vision. I've read firsthand accounts of it. She had a vision. And the Lord showed her a slave that was being beaten and the torment and victimization that was going again, victimizing of these, of these uh, people of color that had come from Africa and had been so brutalized for so long that she got so disturbed. That mixed in with the loss of her child and, and seeing that families were being broken up, what she saw in Kentucky, she sat down and wrote, wrote basically an 800-page book that went around the world called Uncle Tom's Cabin. Uncle Tom's Cabin, I was reading through the briefs of it yesterday to remind myself of what it was all about. It was basically this whole thing about the Christian love, that Christian love existed in the lives of slaves and in slave owners, but the slaves were trying to get free physically into another realm. And the slave owners, God was dealing with them about getting out of this prison of racism and slavery that they were in. And the ultimate picture is Uncle Tom, who was this great man. He worked in a house. He was a, a black man he, that just loved life. He loved Jesus Christ. He's a man of God. But a lot of bad things started being dealt with him. And ultimately, at the end, he dies under brutalization uh, in New Orleans of his slave owner, but at the end, the, there was an incredible reconciliation of his former slave owner who basically came to a point of, of telling Uncle Tom that the rest of his family had got to Canada. And when he came to tell him, he heard his dying words and then never got to, he was going there to actually buy him back. And that was Uncle Tom's cabin. And it, it went across the country. 300,000 people bought that book. Uh, she started plays that went around the country. Three million people, this is in the 1850s, three million people watched that play and it was converting the heart of Americans and it was such a lock on slavery in the South that they actually produced counter books pro-slavery and counter plays pro-slavery to fight this book. But the book overwhelmed the world. And once it got out of the United States, it blew up into millions of copies worldwide and influenced the end of slavery worldwide. In fact, when Abraham Lincoln, the famous thing, when she went to the White House and met with Abraham Lincoln, which she reported later was rather a humorous time together, which Lincoln has been known to be that way, throughout history. She went there and he just was making jokes. It was very light. It was a funny opportunity. He turned to her, to her when he first saw her and he said, so you're the little lady that started the big war, referring to the Civil War. 
And so she was the harbinger. She was that inflection point, speaking to a future, a breakdown totally. I think of that, and I thought it was a mom who lost a child. It was a mom who witnessed firsthand, but a mom in her time who really didn't have any voice, couldn't vote or anything. She rose up, she wrote a book that changed the world. Let's stand together if we could. I'd like to invite all the mothers, if you'd come forward, we'd have a gift we'd like to give you. And we want to bless you together. So everyone who's a mom, just come and stand across this front. And Cindy, come on up here just for a minute. As they're coming up. I was talking to Cindy this week as we're getting up here, and if the guys can help, just make sure we get lined up here. Watch the cameras there. I don't want you to get hurt. <clears throat> I was talking to Cindy about her mom this week and, I, and her mothering. We have four children. Cindy was one of six in her family. But just tell us, Cindy, as a mom, some of the things that you want to encourage these moms about, things that you've learned or what's, what's on your mind. Well, as they were singing the song, early talking to Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This can be a hard day for some people. Um, some moms, you know, when you think back, we all have regrets and things we could have done different or we wish we had of or we had have known. You know, you did exactly what you felt was the right thing at the time. Is that right? Yeah, you did. And we're not perfect moms aren't perfect I haven't met a perfect one anyone except for Jesus so the thing that my mom gave me that has been a, a, a the most important thing in my life is that she gave me Jesus <laughs> yeah I was thinking I'm the fourth at least the fourth generation of moms my great-grandmothers um, knew Jesus my mom me and now passing on and the most important thing you can pass on as a mom for us as Christians is for your kids to know Jesus life is a tough and tumble place right now and it may not look like but we are people of faith it may not look like in some of your kids that they're following in the path that you desire and you dream but we know we talk to Jesus <laughs> and it doesn't matter what it looks like Jesus has the perfect solution. He knows the right way. Steve's mom, she was an amazing woman. I'm so privileged to know her. And even when she was um, suffered with Alzheimer's, she was uh, we, praying in the spirit when she didn't know. Her spirit was praying through her. And my mom has been through some tough things, and she has given me values that... Um, I've been going to church since I was, uh, uh, I could breathe, and I didn't know Jesus all along the way, but she instilled in us values. We go to church. This is what we do. We have, uh, church is our life. She it was ex exemplary in participating in giving and loving other people, and, and, and everywhere she, she went, she cooked for our church, she um, at one time did children's choir. She did all kinds of things that gave back and that, uh, you know, the world doesn't revolve around me and that I need to give back and that I need to care and love. And she was amazing at that and has lived with constructs in her life, Jesus being the center, which has impacted me 
and my children and my grandchildren. And so we just bless you today. We bless you. We want to pray for them. Yeah. And, uh, we're going to pray for you. And as we do, we've got the gifts we're handing out. If we could do that while we're praying over them, that would be great. We've got a little gift we wanted to give you. We hope it ministers to you, blesses you. And we just want you to know how much we really do appreciate you. And uh, we stand with you. We want to be a church that loves our mothers, represents them well. And so Cindy and I are just going to preach, a, or preach. We're going to pray a little prayer over you and just ask for just the goodness of the Lord. Lord, we just bless them right now. We bless all the moms here with an ability to really draw close to you, Lord. Like my mom did, like Cindy's mom and grandparents did. Lord, that we, even if we're the first generation to do it, maybe we didn't have godly parents. I ask, Lord, that in this generation that's standing up here right now, these Abrahams, Isaacs, and Jacobs, you know, these Sarahs and Rebeccas that are standing here, they're saying, I want to pass on to another generation what God has done for me. And you can save that generation a lot of pain, a lot of difficulty. They'll go their own way, but remember what the word said. The law will speak to them. <laughs> It'll bring them back. So we bless your children to walk in the ways of the Lord. We bless them that if they've roamed, that they're going to find their way back by the power and grace of God. His light is out there. You are the light that shined in their hearts, and it will bring them back in the way they need to come. Cindy, you have a final, just something you want to speak on. Yeah, we, we just say, good job, Mom. I, as I look around, you are heroes here. I was talking to Jean Jacobs this morning. You know, she's a hero. She's a mom that, she's not my mom, but when I see how she sews into her children and how she stands strong, strong through difficulty, I'm like, she's, she's a hero. We have some wonderful moms. You're all heroes. You lay down your life, you sacrifice, you give when nobody's looking in the middle of the night. And we just appreciate you. We say bless you. We want you to be encouraged and strengthened today. And uh, we pray that your families will celebrate you today. And I was telling uh, Steve last week when he laughed because I said, you know, I but my kids, I brought them into the world and, you know, I can take you out. Well, you know, I have the Lord on my side because it says in Exodus that um, that you children to obey your parents so that you can live long. Right. <laughs> So we just pray for you and your children. We bless your children and your children's children. This is a strong, mighty force of women that are going to impact those in your immediate home, in your families, in your neighborhoods. And we just, we just cheer you on with everything that's within us. And we just ask the Lord to come alongside, that your dreams would be fulfilled, that you would do the things that God's put on your heart, and that you will leave a mark. Amen? Amen. Well, we just bless you. You're coming in. You're going out. May the blessing, favor, honor of the Lord be upon you. May everything that you put your hand to succeed and prosper. And we just pray wonderful, joyous, happy day for you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. Don't forget, if you're visiting with us, if you want to just stop on your way out. On your way out at the welcome desk, we pray that you have a good time with your families today, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>